Super Talk Mississippi media production. In Mississippi, with our ever-changing weather, termites and household pests can disrupt your family life and take a toll on your home. Call Family Termite and let us help protect your home. 601-933-1014. Or reach us at www.family-termite.com. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, August 12th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Um, Ole Miss is now into its second weekend of fall camp. Um, so they had a scrimmage on Saturday. They practiced on Friday. I was not – I don't think the scrimmage was – It was closed. Yeah. It was like nuclear secret closed. Yeah. Um, so it was closed scrimmage. They had practice on Friday. I was not there. I was on a bachelor trip. Um, How'd that go? To the beach. Um fine i guess like we had fun no news is good news i guess on most of That's those right. things um nobody went inside a jail cell right no 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 one okay. no one inside a jail cell relatively well behaved don't think we pissed any neighbors off honestly pretty, not always the case when when you go to alabama sometimes yeah no kidding pretty pretty successful trip all around if i had to say everyone made it back in one piece um and now the groom's life is over his what his life is over Oh, his wife. I thought you said something about his wife. Oh, right no. Oh, I was kind of indirectly making a joke about it. No, but he, we had, I don't know, we had a good time. Did the usual thing, just go to the floor of Bama and hit the beach. That's really about it. It was a, uh, <laughs> it's a fairly low-key weekend. Um, but, yeah, so we got a lot of stuff to go through. Ole Miss had some injury news. Uh, maybe get into some NFL stuff, just kind of see where it takes us. Um I'm a little lost as to where to start because I've been out of the loop really for about three or four days now. It's kind of weird vacationing during fall camp, but it was just one of those things I couldn't really miss. Um, So Ole Miss had practice Friday. They announced really kind of their first significant um, injury news of fall camp. Um, Kadir Shepard has a broken hand, I believe, something in his a bone in his hand. It'll be out the next 10 days. Um, John Haynes with a lower body injury is day to day. Yeah, that's again where they went with the classic upper body, lower body. They didn't really tell you anything. I don't know what lower body. I mean, lower body could be literally anything below your waist. So, um, oh yeah. So Ole Miss kind of hit a little bit with the injury bug. They're not really anything too bad. They don't do enough in fall camp anymore from a contact thing to where they're too scared. Or I guess that's the reason why they don't do it as much anymore. Anyway, most teams get through fall camp okay without too many injuries. Um, that's a p- position for Ole Miss that's interesting because they kind of have free safety figured out at least a little bit. They have Jalen Julius, who's been a guy that's played a lot of football, Armani Linton, um, and Cam White. Wait, he's still there? Yeah, Armani Linton is there. Oh, yeah. my God. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, and you've got Montrell Custis there as well is the other one I was thinking of. The, they have some depth there, but at strong safety, John Haynes was listed as the starter of their first their first um, at strong safety in their first depth chart they released, and he's got Vernon Dasher and C.J. Miller behind him. And Vernon Dasher played a pretty good bit um, last year as a JUCO transfer guy. C.J. Miller played a little bit. I believe C.J. Miller was hurt for a good portion of was, yeah. a portion of last year. So that'll be kind of interesting, I guess. Well, I imagine you'll see those two guys obviously both both take quite a few more snaps. Um, so, and then as far as Shepard, I mean. It doesn't sound like he's going to be miss a ton of time, but again, he's you know, I mean, he's that's two starters technically out. You got Chuck Wiley behind him. They've got some depth at those outside edge linebacker spots, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so that's really kind of what Ole Miss has dealing with on the um, injury front. Um, 
not a ton of notes, I guess, really to get to other than I mean, outside of that. There hasn't been really any separation at all in the backup quarterback race. Um, really, Tisdale, Kincaid, uh, Kincaid Dent, and um, John Rice Plumley have all been kind of taking, I don't want to say equal amounts of reps because that's probably not fair for me to say because we've been out there for such a limited amount of time. But there's really been no set number two and then like guys filling in behind him. They've all kind of filled in at different spots running with the second team. Uh, that's something that Rich Rodriguez said could go a couple games into the season before they get resolved, which I found yeah. a little interesting. But I guess if you have one starter, you know, one of those kids, if he gets hurt, you got to put one of the kids anyway. I guess you don't have to exactly know which one at that point. I'm interested in, in how that works. Because, I mean, let's just, you know, play a hypothetical here. You know, if your helmet comes off for a, or you you got to come out for a play, I'm interested to see who would take that snap against Memphis. I think right now maybe it's, it's – Grant Tisdale, but I don't know if that'll be the case by the time they roll into, you know, Vanderbilt or so. Um, yeah, Tisdale and Dent, I guess, at least in, on the surface, have the upper hand in the sense that they went through the spring. Rich Rodriguez, another thing he said was about 70% of the offense he thinks installs. Obviously, not really team specific stuff at this point, but I imagine if you were here as an early enrollee, he's probably got a little more grasp than, sure. than, um, than Plumlee. So, yeah, probably Tisdale or Dent probably has the edge there. I think. Plumlee's just kind of raw athleticism gives him some upside there. Plumlee may be more ready by the end of the year, if that makes right, sense. More and more they get into it, but I guess if I guess point being, if Matt Corral twists an ankle week one, you know, in the second quarter, um, it's probably Tisdale. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like they that. haven't had any. That's purely me guessing and kind of speculating. Um, I, I mean, I guess it really at this point could be Tisdale or Dent. I mean, you didn't see a ton from either one of them in the spring game. There's not a whole lot you could take from it anyway. Both did some okay things. Both did some not okay things. Um, I would. That's just my gut. If I had to guess who they would put in, it would probably be Tisdale at this point. Don't know that for sure, though, admittedly. Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, if this happens in week eight versus week one, I think, you know, Plumlee's the guy. Um, but yeah, I just kind of feel like they're, they're grooming him to be the quarterback after Corral and um, he's look. I don't know if Rich Howard is going to be here in two years, but he he's the type guy that Rich Rod wants. He, Rich Rod, when he got the Ole Miss, wanted to go get John Reese Plumley, and and they got him, and, and he fits his system. So, uh, you know, it's just a matter of how quick he picks up on things. But look, hopefully this this doesn't you know have to come to fruition, and the crowd doesn't miss any length of time. But I mean, Ole Miss hasn't gotten through. You know, Ole Miss hasn't played. I guess last year, Tampa Tommy started every game, but he missed the second half against Mississippi State. I mean, three years in a row you've had a quarterback get hurt, so to, it kind of seems like faulty thinking to think you're, you're going to get through this thing uh, 12 games without Corral missing at least, you know, a quarter or so. Yeah, and then the offensive line is um, obviously, that's really the place that's gotten the most scrutiny throughout this entire camp. Um, you know, there was a, I think we, I can't remember if we talked about this on Wednesday or Friday show when you were out, um, but there was there were moments during Wednesday's practice um, where the entire second string, and granted it was only a portion of it that might not what it ends up being, um, was true freshmen, which is kind of a scary thought. I mean, if if one of your options is the second, if your second team offensive line, like if one of the versions of that is all true freshmen, oh boy. But it's a group that are very – I mean, the, the, these kids are dumb, and they hear things. You know, you can try to block out really as much noise as you want, but in this modern day and age, these kids have phones, they're on social media. They understand that that's the position with probably the most scrutiny. Um, they really do have their work cut out for it because I just don't think you're going to really build a ton of depth between now and 
now in the first game in terms of getting these guys game ready. But I guess you just take every day and try to get them as as ready as possible. But it'll I, I'll, I guess I'll be interested in November in the number of true freshmen that played significant snaps on the offensive line because I think it has a chance to be like three or four at potentially could just end up being two. I feel comfortable four. saying it's going to be at least two. Um, could very much be more. If Ole Miss ever needed a year where they started off with some cupcakes, man, this would be the year. Uh, unfortunately for them, they don't get that. I, I'm sure if Matt Luke had his druthers, they would open up with Southeast Louisiana and play New Mexico State the week after that. Uh, but, yeah, those, those kids are going to get thrown into the fire immediately. And, look, uh, Memphis is going to they're going to put decent football players out there. And if Ole Miss isn't able to block them, I think it's a sign of, of things to come. But can they get better throughout the year? Sure. But I kind of think it, it, you're going to be kind of what you are um, against Memphis. I think that's going to be when you're at your strongest. To be honest, you're not going to have that many injuries going into that, assuming Givens is good to go. Um, so I think that first game against Memphis is going to be telling from an offensive line standpoint. One of the things I was talking about with someone this weekend was is Ole Miss in some ways, and I, I swear I'm not doing some sort of PR spin here. I don't care. I'm just throwing out something that popped into my mind. That we could uh, like uh, from last year is almost benefit a little bit from catching Memphis in the opener. Like I know on one hand it's like yeah they don't have a tune-up game, but that notwithstanding, just the placement. If you take this game in a vacuum, not talking about the rest of the early season schedule and how they don't really get a tune-up to kind of get in the offense. Yes, I'm fully aware they would like to have that. They'd like to have a cupcake September to where they can kind of get their feet under them and and basically just shake all the new off the new system, the new personnel on both sides. All of that, I got all that. But are they benefiting? If you take this game in a vacuum, are they benefiting for it in the sense to where Memphis? Older veteran football team that's projected to be pretty damn good because of what they returned from last year and a team that was pretty good at times last year. Um, are you benefiting them from catching them in the opener? Because I just look at the Texas Tech game last year, and I know Texas Tech wasn't any good, and I know Kingsbury got fired, but by the time Ole Miss kind of whittled their depth down by October and just really they were playing the way they were playing in general the last month, would they have really beaten Texas Tech in October or November? I'd probably lean no. I agree with you on that since they probably wouldn't have where I'll, where I'll kind of push back a little bit is Texas Tech was breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, Memphis is not. I think that matters. You aren't playing at Texas Tech. You, you are playing at Memphis. So I think it's a little bit different from that perspective. Uh, but I get what you're saying. That, that you probably don't beat that Texas Tech team in, in November. Ole Miss played, to me, Ole Miss played its best game of the year that night or that, that morning. Against Texas Tech, I don't think they played better than that through uh, and the rest of the year. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to go through. The only SEC game they won was uh, Arkansas. They didn't play well against Arkansas. No, that was a wet, drunken pillow fight. That was. I can't believe they let someone win that game. Um, <laughs> they played a pretty good half against Auburn, right? Okay. But the offense didn't play very well. They actually played – okay, so they played decently well against South Carolina but really sure. just ran out of gas at but the end. I'm just trying to think of games they played well. I think you're probably right. They um, still won the South Carolina. I mean, they were favored that day. Right. Right. Not by much, though. That game got down to, no, like, a point, didn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a point or two, but still, I mean I, – I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, if there's probably the most played. I was just trying to think out loud of just games where I was like, you know, they actually played pretty well, and there wasn't a whole lot else could they could do, and that didn't that I mean, did not happen. Often. I could make an argument. 
they played pretty well there. The offense was awful in the red zone, but that's just kind of what that well, I mean, team was. So long ago was the coach. Yeah, and th- that defense played. They gave up. That kind of sucked for the defense. They gave up technically, I think, thirty-eight points in that game, but they played more than well oh, enough for yeah. Ole Miss to win that. And that would have been a big win for them at that point in the season because I mean oh, they went five and two and lost their last five games. You beat A and M. You probably generate some momentum. I'm not saying one game is affecting another, but do you really go up there and lose to Vandy the way you do after you have a road win at A&M? Because people forget they were smoking Vandy at the beginning of that game. Yeah, they were. God, there were some bad football games last year. Those two were bad games. Arkansas at Vandy, that is. Texas A&M was okay. Um, but yeah, to your point, they played one of their better games early. I'm just curious if they're catching a bit of a break, just a little bit of a break by catching Memphis when they're catching Memphis. We'll see. Um, you know, Memphis is going to break in. Look, Tony Pollard's a really good football player. Um, Brady White is fine at quarterback. I don't think he would be an SEC football player. Um, we'll see. I, 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 where is this game won? Like, if I tell you Ole Miss wins this game 38-34, what happens? I mean, not to be cliched and beat a dead horse, but Matt Corral had time to throw and didn't get sacked seven times. So if Matt Corral plays well, um, well, that's I'm more pointing at the offensive line. Right, right. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. If Matt Corral plays well and is kept upright in Memphis, Tennessee on August 31st, do you think Ole Miss wins the football game? Yeah, probably. If the offense is like, it, it, for me, it's strange as it is to say this is going to be one offensively for Ole Miss because at the same time, like even if the defense plays well, like beyond any expectation you could have for him, and you really don't have any expectation right. because it's like very front ended on the depth chart. A lot of upperclassmen that at least have experience, whether the talent level is there or not, and then really just not a ton of depth there. Um, but if the offense can't move the football, the offense if the offensive line's a disaster, they're not able to move the football. They're not able to run the football. What the hell does it matter if the defense played okay? Oh no, I, I completely agree. That's um, I'm with you. Um, if Matt Corral is kept upright, they can throw the football and they're able to run it with success. I think the defense is going to play well enough that uh, they're not going to get torched. Um, and I think that's how they win the football game. Like, tell me Matt Corral's numbers right now for Memphis, and I feel like I can give you a pretty good guess if they win or not. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me know how many times he gets back. I, there's just this game is so hard to prognosticate. I mean, most all of these things are because college football is kind of weird and, and wacky in its own way. But it's just so much new on the Ole Miss side. I just, I, I, I really, I'll have no idea what to expect going into that game. I will, we're we're gonna, we're gonna make picks. I'm sure. What do, do you have a feel right now? Which way you're leaning? No, not really at all. <laughs> You should probably pick Memphis because you at least know a little bit more about what they're going to look like yeah. and know a little bit more about what they've come back. So, I mean, if somebody's, like, putting a gun to my head, probably I Memphis. think I'm taking Memphis. Um, but it's not going to surprise me if Ole Miss wins that game. And no. it, they, they Frankly, they really need to. Like, you know, Vegas be damned. This is a game that they need to win, and they should win because just even optically, not a very good look to lose, even if Memphis is good. Lose your opener to a Memphis team like that with what you have coming up the rest of the month of September because, man, you lose that, and there's not going to be that many people at uh, Arkansas. And then if you lose 0-2, that C-Log game oh, has to be like late Houston nut era type of crowd. And that's the third game of the year. <laughs> like, there's still nine more games after that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this thing like this thing could snowball quick, and, and it, yeah. could, it could get really, really bad. And we've talked this into the ground sure. over and over again at this point. Everyone knows what Ole Miss is, like, has at stake in the season's first month, 
it just makes it the opener more and more paramount. Um, it is what three weeks away now. Um, yeah, yeah, three weeks from yesterday. So I, the other thing, other than the offensive line, I mean, it's it's. I'm just wondering how. Like, how much can you really expect a true freshman who, particularly none of these kids got the spring, to be effective on up front? You like, talking about broker? Just how much Like how much can you really expect out of them? I don't know. I, I mean, Ben Brown did it last year and, and did, did well. Um, I think they're, they're, some of these guys are ready to go, um, is ready to go as they probably can be. I think you can get 30 to 35 snaps maybe out of some guys running 70, 75 plays a game and not fall off that much. Um, can you insert a guy starting and have him play every you know series? Probably not. But I do think that you know uh, a Nick Broker and a guy like guys like that can give you something um, where the, you know you give a guy a rest or if somebody gets hurt, he can come in and play. I, I don't think it's going to be, especially with a guy like Broker, I don't think him being on the field is going to be a detriment for Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just, I mean, it's it's just an interesting dynamic because they feel okay about what they have in crowd quarterback. They're really, I don't want to say loaded, but like from a depth standpoint, they're really set at the running back. It's just these kids have got to be serviceable because if they don't block and they're not, you know, I mean, this basic football dumb brain one one, nobody's blocking for them. It doesn't, really, none of the rest of it matters. What keeps Matt Luke up more at night, the offensive line or the defense? Oh, it's the offensive line. He's got a bunch of upperclassmen on defense. Like, he at least kind of has seen what some of those kids have done before. No, it doesn't mean they're any good. But as he's at least seen, he's at least seen them play foot, most of them play football at the SEC level before knows what they have. He has no idea what he has in these freshmen. And plus, as a former offensive lineman, that's got to be what keeps him up at night more. He spent more time than, with any position group than with the offensive line. And that's not because he's a former offensive lineman, because he was very, at least from what we could tell, pretty hands off with Bicknell last year or whenever, or 2017 when he hired him as, as well. You get my point. That's not right. been the case this year. Not that he's not being hands-off and not that he's not trusting me. No, he's been over there a lot, and there's a reason for that, and it's not because he likes the offensive line. Like, that just – like, not, I mean, yeah, not yeah. disliked him. I'm talking about, like, he just – like, he's not hanging out over there just because that's, you know, his old stomping grounds. Like, there's there's real concern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there should be. I mean, you're, you're starting a bunch of newcomers. You're going to rely on a bunch of freshmen. Look like you said we'd beat this in the ground. We, we're going to see in three weeks. I think uh, they're scrimmaging again next weekend, and – um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it, it's really – I don't know how much more you can say about the offensive line besides what they tell you and what you see in practice because, I mean, you know what you've got. You know who's going to play. Well, you don't know what you've got. You know who's going to play. Um, and how those guys adjust in-game situations is going to be the key to, for Ole Miss this year. Yeah, I would I would certainly agree with that. Um, another note I had offensively, we talked to uh, Snoop Connor on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and I think I mentioned this a little bit on Friday's podcast. So I, I don't know how much people were expecting out of him, but if you talk about one player other than maybe a couple of the freshman quarterbacks that benefited from the spring the most, I think it's this kid because he's going to, he, at least the way they're making it sound, he's going to get snaps. He's going to get snaps a lot. And it sounds like at least, and I don't know if this, this probably won't last this whole season, but like if, if, like if Scotty Phillips takes five carries and needs a blow, the first one in right now is probably Snoop Connor. Maybe I was like, I think. I mean, I think he's maybe it's Willard, but I think he's. Yeah, I, I was just to say, let, let's not you know. Be, I mean, it's not Darian Ely right now. Is, no. is that a little bit of a concern? Uh, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, he didn't. Uh, he didn't. Uh, 
No, I mean, there's a kid that doesn't have a spring. I don't know. I just have a I don't think that's a concern at this point because he's learning an entirely new offense without the benefit of okay. a spring and coming from a dual sport thing where he spent all spring playing baseball. Not that that's an excuse and he has the same thing as everyone else. I'm just saying I don't think that's a concern at this point. Okay. Um, and I think Snoop Connor, like, I don't think it's a thing where, you know, Jerry and Ely's been bad and that's the reason. Like, I think Snoop Connor is, like, actually a really good SEC football player, is going to be a good SEC football player. Um, he was really good at Hattiesburg High School. He played quarterback there some. Uh, I, look, I think that kids – look, you're, you're never going to have too many running backs in this league. So uh, Ole Miss is, is, is happy about, you know, his progression and their ability to get him into a football game. Um, they're loaded at that position, whereas, you know, usually that's not been a position of, you know, just extreme depth for them. No, it hasn't. And speaking of depth, I'll flip it over to the other side of the ball. I sifted through some of the video from Friday as I was kind of catching up on my way back from uh, from the from the beach today. Um, yeah, real tough life there, I know. Um, like, some of the defensive linemen, um, Ladarius Cox in particular is a freshman defensive lineman I think is going to see some snaps. Um, He's a big dude. Yeah, he is a big dude. He is very big. He and Darius Thomas, the kid, the the tackle from uh, the true freshman tackle from Jonesboro, the kid with the heart condition, is uh, they are large human beings. And on a scale of like large human beings in general playing football, Ladarius Cox is very, very big. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what he's actually listed. I can look that up at the roster. Um, I think they like him a lot, and I think he's probably going to bust in the rotation. Uh, at some point, like uh, this year, I think he's going to play. I don't know how much they, they can count on him, but that's a guy that people have really been raving about um, and a guy that I think has turned some heads early on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Defensive line will be interesting because I think they could be pretty good with a healthy Benito Jones, Coatney, um You've got Austin Robinson, some other guys there. Um, that that could be an interesting room. Are they able to generate a better, more consistent pass rush, particularly from the outside, and how do they do that? Do they do that a lot with the outside linebacker edge positions, or do they do it with the more of the truer like ends or whatever, you know, an end in a three-down front? Where does that come from, and how effective are they? Right. I, I, I tell you, I, I kind of looked into a little bit of defense stuff this year, I, or this weekend, I should say. I think Ole Misses, and you've said this before, I think Ole Misses' first 11 is, I don't want to say, like, good, but I think it's serviceable in the SEC, and that's not been the case the past two years. Now, look, you get past that first 11, um, and there's question marks there, but I think the, the guys that they're going to run out on the field against Memphis is a quality, or maybe a little bit below average SEC defense, but I don't think it's near as, as talent depleted as it has in the past two or three years. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a bunch of dudes that have played I mean, you, they've been for like I think of guys like Jacques Jones. Um, I know Cavante Ruggs is not there anymore, but guys like that, um, some of those younger guys on the back end of the secondary that had to play early on. I mean, you're just going to be, I mean, what a talent level being what it is, you're going to be better with that much trial by fire type of experience. I mean, just naturally. I mean, and you're not going to play a couple years. You're not going to be forced to be played before you're ready and get worse. I mean, it's, it's just. I mean, <laughs> Right? I mean, you would hope not. Yeah, I mean, unless your confidence just goes, you know, out of the window. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, they threw a lot of these guys, hell, they threw a lot of these guys in there in freezes last year in 16 and, and made them get ready, and now they're seniors. Uh, so, like you said, look, it's like there's a lot of trial by fire there, and, and hopefully for Ole Miss that, that pans out to some degree this year. 
Yeah, and they'll be okay at the top. Like, like it, it, it'll be interesting to me once a couple injuries on the defensive side of the ball pile up and where how much depth does Ole Miss really have because with the offense, it's going to be hard to just – I mean, you're not going to formulate a ton on the offensive line between now and August 31st. You know, a lot of young kids playing receiver, running back appears to be okay, but what does the defensive depth look like? Because that's probably going to be the biggest difference than whether as to whether this team has improved than last year is how many guys they have ready to play, how many guys they can roll out on a defensive line, how many guys they can roll out at those linebacker spots and be comfortable with because that's really where, as bad as Ole Miss was defensively at times, there was a huge factor of it was them just wearing down and there's just not being enough bodies, not being enough depth. I mean, that's, yes, they were poorly coached. Yes, they didn't tackle better, but fatigue was definitely a problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, they're back to 85 scholarships this year. And like you mentioned before, they played games last year with 52 and 53 scholarship players available. Um, and, and you're going to be beat down, especially when, you know, the former head coach neglected one side of the football and recruiting. One side's going to be more beat down than the other. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, the, the defense, like I said, the first eleven I think can play football. Past that, we're going to we're going to see. Um, Ladarius Cox, six five three thirty one, and then um, Darius Thomas, six six three forty. Some big boys. Yeah, man, I bet they can destroy some food. Uh, I guess I'm just sitting here thinking, kind of going through position groups. Almost keeps their kicker, like place kicker, field goal kicker, and punter from last year, right? Like they're both the same guys, Mac Brown and. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The special is Mac Brown and uh, Luke Logan. Um, Luke Logan, yeah. I could the kicker's name escaped my mind. Yeah, their backup. They have I mean, their their backup punters are new. I think Spencer or Spencer Cole. I think has been in the program and Isaac Logan. I don't know. You got me going in too deep on punters. I'm trying to pull up last year's too deep and see if it looked any different. Anyway, Logan's yes. got to be a little bit better this year. Um, yeah, but man, being the guy that follows Gary Wonderlick is hard yeah, because hard in the job. world of shitty college kickers, he's still probably—I mean, not probably—he's still on the upper end. What was he finish at last year? He was. Yeah, I, guess I just don't remember his exact number. Um, twenty-two of twenty-seven. That's not terrible. Long, I guess only a long of forty, though. That's problem. And two blocked. Well, I mean, not to be it, not to be a smartass here. He was kicking a lot of field goals in the red zone. Elvis <laughs> didn't have a problem getting to the red zone. No, I mean you make eighty-one percent of your kicks and your luck. I mean, it doesn't. I, I don't put much stock in the long being forty. I don't think it was one of those things where like, oh, 45, Don't think this kid's got the leg. I think it was just more. That's just more of ha- like that just kind of happening by chance. Yeah, you, you get an offensive coordinator that can't score in the red zone and a head coach that doesn't mind stumbling for field goals. That's what you get. Yeah, and he at least had his toes wet a little bit going into last year because Gary Wonderlick what missed a game or two with the yeah. hamstring deal. He what he, he uh, Logan made two yeah. of three kicks. So at least just yeah, having like the, the the muscle not muscle memory, but just the experience of being out there in a game environment and doing it, no matter what, a, no matter the score situation is as a I was a is a little comforting, I would imagine, as opposed to them just rolling him out there for the first game and him never have made a college field goal. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, you know, I like 
swing to a 27 spot and, you know, all of those being inside 40. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see, you know, if, you know, a 48-yarder is in his range. Uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll probably find out at some point this year. Yeah, and, man, following a dude like Wonderlick is tough because, it, I mean, there's, like, any sort of drop-off from what he had, people are just going to be, like, it, it, it pisses people off. Like, Ole Miss was spoiled with Wonderlick because he was a really good college oh, kicker. Yeah. Who's the – oh, I mean, Bryson Rose before him. I mean, Ole Miss has had kickers galore. Joshua Sheen was good before him. I mean, they, they've been really solid at kicker for a while now. Yeah, they have, and uh, I mean, it's kind of weird because you see other programs like Al- like Saban's use the short kicker, long kicker thing. It seems like they That's can't ever figure out a kill goal kicker. Well, I think it, is it dumb or is he just it's like so freaked out by how bad his kickers are been? He's just trying anything because like I mean that. How, how do good programs have bad kickers? How do the elite blue chip programs not just be, uh, from a this... scholarship? Just go get the best kicker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't I that literally wasn't that technically what Freeze did? Wasn't Wonderlick the number one? Yeah, Wonderlick was on scholarship. I mean, it, it it was worth it too. I mean, that's four years of an elite kicker. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of one like Wonderlick missed. Like, I can't remember any big kicks that he missed over four years. I guess the extra point against Bama. Yeah, and then his last year in 2017, not that they were in too many huge games where they were having huge kicks, but he did have a very brief inconsistent streak because he was trying to kick through whatever back deal he was doing, and you could tell he wasn't the same. Like, I just remember in 17 that when they got, like, seven games in the year versus three or four, you could tell a difference in the way he was in terms of, like, for a while he'd been kind of kicking at least through the injury, even though he did miss a game or two. Um, that was, uh, but you could you could definitely tell the difference when he was back healthy again. There's, That's what's crazy to me is like how he didn't make an NFL roster. That's how good NFL kickers are. Yeah, it's, that's how good they are, and at the same time, just job job security as a kicker is virtually non-existent unless you're the elite of the elite, and there's so many guys that are so good at it. I mean, really, there's only 30 jobs, so you're looking at the and. and like it's not like you got to be deep at that. I mean, I'm stating the obvious here. It's not like you got to be deep at kicker. Teams don't even keep two kickers. So there's literally it's like a 30 game of musical chairs. And what if you got 60 guys that are elite? That's hard to crack. Yeah, I mean, but Wonderlick could punt too. That's kind of why I thought uh, he might crack a roster because he could do both. Yeah, I wonder how many NFL teams are going with the both thing now. I think you're usually pretty different. I think your kicker and kickoff. Oh yeah, you are. Are but yeah, kicking punting very different. I remember. Uh, I remember, uh, shoot, who am I thinking of? The freeze insisted uh, rugby styling a couple years ago. Oh, uh, uh, was it, you talking about the kicker? No, punter. Oh, uh, uh, crap, the kid from Australia. Yeah, how am I blanking on this? I talked to him. Like, how, well, we're, how we're both blanking on this. Goodness. <laughs> the kid from Australia, we can't remember his name. I know, and I've talked to, I've talked to him literally like ten times. Um, I'm gonna have to look this up now because it's gonna bug me. Yeah, that's that's this is very bad. I should definitely know this. Um, Gleason, Will Gleason. Yeah, Will Gleason. I don't know how in the hell this. Anyway, I was talking to him for. I did a story on 17 and uh, on Wonderlick. I don't really remember what the story is about, but I remember talking to uh, Gleason about it. And I was like, "So is there ever any competition between y'all?" And he goes, "No, nah, mate. I can't kick for shit." Even funnier in his Australian accent. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, he, uh, I mean, he very admittedly was like, Yeah, I can't kick. I can punt, but, like, I can't kick. Um, <laughs> they had a weird deal go, uh, not weird deal, they had a funny deal going on. He used to just tell Wonderlick something random to, like, try to get him to laugh or smile right out before he went there to do a kick. 
and he had some pretty good ones. Like, he used to drop, like, I think they had a couple of classes together, and he used to drop just random reminders or questions about, like, homework assignments and stuff before he's about to go make, like, a 45-yarder. Do you remember Wonderlick getting thrown out of a game against Memphis? Wonderlick got tossed in 15 against Memphis? 14, 14, uh, when they played in Oxford. I don't remember that. How did that happen? He got, they, okay, so they got in a fight. Uh, Old Mets on a kickoff, and they said Wonderlick threw a punch, and he did not throw a punch. The poor kid just got chunked for no reason. I don't remember this. I, that's... Oh, dude, Google it. It's, it's all over, like, Old Mets Memphis fight 2014. I imagine that's pretty badass to be a punter and have someone like and have that on your resume. Like, yeah, well, yeah I got it was, booted it was, from it was the game. It's only kickoff, to be fair, but yeah. I mean, still, like, <laughs> just to have that on your resume and be like, yeah, I'm a kicker. Like, I got thrown out of a game once. Like, you're not screwing with me. I don't know. I feel like in a world of kickers, that's that's got to up his street cred some, if nothing that's, else. That's a Pat Maxby like. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure we talked about this when it happened, but I asked Rich Rod last or two weeks ago. Just what he thought about McAfee because they he recruited him and they had two years together at West Virginia, and uh, McAfee's now on ESPN's Thursday Night Football crew, and so they're he's doing the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Um, what the, what did Richard say? He just say he was the same. He basically was just saying he was the same way in college, just very energetic, always you know, some wise ass remark about somebody or something, you know, how Pat McAfee is. Which I love the addition, by the way. I love Pat McAfee. He's hilarious. I think he's oh, going to he kill hilarious. it at this. Um. Because he's funny, but he knows how to control himself to where he's not just going to be like, like he's not going to take that job and be like, here's three hours where I'm going to be a jackass into a microphone. I think he's going to offer interesting insight. He's going to have some really good stories. He'll probably develop some pretty decent player relationships for the very limited amount that TV broadcasters get to know or talk to players. Um, same with coaches, too. I think he's going to be a hit. I think that was a hell of an idea. I wish they'd have given him the Monday night football deal, but that's probably too big of a job to give a rookie. Wait. Who is our Monday night? Because Witten came back, right? No, Witten. Like, well, yeah, no. I came back. Witten is now playing football again for the Cowboys. Right. Uh, so who is, it's Booger, Tessator. Who took Witten? Yeah, and the Booger Mobile is no Moss. He is now oh. in the booth. It is Booger, Tess. Um, I think they may just be going to a two-man crew. Okay. I don't I'm, know I'm if they look. added anybody. I don't think they added anybody. Okay. Uh, uh, football I mean, there was rumors for a while where, like, Peyton Manning might jump on or, like, maybe they go try to poach Romo. But I don't think there, anyone ever made a move. Yeah, I'm pretty sure no one ever made a move. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, so that'll be interesting this year. Man, Witten wasn't good, and I'm not – I'm not crap on the announcer guy because I think that's a really hard job and I think more people like it's such an easy thing to be like I hate that announcer or whatever when like 95% of the guys are really good at their jobs and the person saying they hate them really just couldn't even last a second trying to do that but uh, Witten was not great I don't think Booger's great either I'm not a big Booger fan either and I've had I've said I've quite on this before I liked some of the stuff he did in college football like he's been fine um but his ascension through ESPN to a gig like that, I don't like him that much. Maybe it's just my taste or, like, you know, preference or whatever. But um, I think he's fine. I don't dislike Booger McFarland. He, has, he says some interesting stuff. But he's like, I'm never watching a game and be like, hell yeah, like Booger McFarland is on the call here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so like, like the Yeah, like he's been okay. Like, like he's been fine. Uh, I just I, I found his rise through the through the up through ESPN as quickly as he went – 
interesting. Um, not that it's not deserving or anything. I guess I'm just not the biggest Booger McFarlane fan, but I, that can't be a popular opinion with the amount that he's like soared through their industry right. and gotten a job that quickly. So, are, are you are you a Bill Walton fan? Oh, I love Bill Walton. What? Listen, so he's, you you he's calling a baseball game tomorrow night? What? What? He's calling a Chicago White Sox baseball game tomorrow night. Where is this broadcasting? Can I watch it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll give you my MLB extra inning login. <laughs> you can watch it. I wonder if my one from last year still works. I might have to try that. I mean, if it's not coming out of your bank account, yeah, the likelihood is not. I, I, I jack somebody else's. Like, it's basically like a Netflix account in college. You just have a bunch of people steal it. Um. Yeah, Netflix has been like cracking down on that. Though, anyway, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's not deviate from the subject here. Bill, how did this happen? He's calling a baseball game. I'm not sure. I just saw it on Twitter that the man was calling a baseball game. Well, I'm gonna have to be there. Me and my roommate in college for uh, literally the better part of two years. The Thursday night Pac-12 games he would broadcast, and if you were really lucky, you might get him again on Sunday night. That was appointment viewing because watching a game with him is literally just like being, like, I'm not gonna say being. Hi, but watching, like, listening to him talk is almost like a, like, feels like a drug in its own way. It's just like, what is this guy saying? Like, you have to, like, I look around and be like, okay, I'm, I'm still in reality here after he's talking about, like, trees and, like, all, like, him talking to, like, blades of grass and stuff. It's, it's wild. Do you think, like, Dave Pash ever gets, like, sick of it or do you think he's just along for the ride? Um, so I read a really interesting, awful announcing article on Dave Pash, um, about this very thing to where when he like when he first got on with him he thought it was going to uh you know make his career's trajectory stagnant um he didn't like it you know it was kind of seen as a pain in the ass but now that they've developed really good chemistry and it's become kind of a popular thing like pash like i think he likes it now um i think they okay. throw him some bones with some other assignments to where he just doesn't have to uh to where he doesn't have to uh to work, you know, I mean, his entire existence at ESPN is not just babysitting Bill Walton for two hours on a broadcast. <laughs> they throw him some bones on some other stuff, but they have good chemistry now. Like, he knows how to say, like, you can definitely tell now that when he says something and he asks, like, Bill about, like, some volcano or some mountain or something the other day, he's trying to get him going. Like, it's strategic. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it has to be at some point if, if you're going to keep this muse going. Do I think he probably gets annoyed sometimes when Walton looks over at him for the third time in, like, an hour and say, what's your name again? Yeah, probably. And, it, and he takes his shirt off. But I think I think the assignment and the job has grown on Pash uh, uh, tremendously. I would say uh, they actually are a pretty good duo. Now, if Bill Walton's not your taste, then you're not going to like him at all. We found him to be hilarious. I enjoy it. I'm going to watch that baseball game tomorrow. How did we get on this subject? I don't know, man. It's it's look. It's a Monday during fall camp. It's like the second week in fall camp. Um, Look, we still got three weeks for a football game, so that's like what eight more podcasts. There's going to be some uh, deviancy. Yeah, there definitely is. The season is uh is is crawling, but it, it it's getting there nonetheless. Well, they're going to play a game in three weeks, not a game. I'm talking about Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss is going to play a game in three weeks from uh, that last Saturday. That so might scare like, Matt Luke a little bit in its own right, honestly. I mean, just the amount yeah, like of new and how quickly days. that's getting there. But I yeah. don't know. They'll at least be an interesting team to watch. There's so much new around. Like, at least just finding out what is go- like how this is going to go is going to be interesting. Because I feel like the last two years were very, very – at least from a coverage standpoint, to me, they were somewhat boring to cover because you knew exactly who they were and what they were going to be. I guess at the beginning of 2017, you got to see, like, okay, what is this Longo ball really about? And maybe three, four games in, you're like, okay, I kind of 
the books out on this. My point being is the last two years they were such a predictable team. You knew they were going to throw it a lot. You knew they were going to score a bunch of points. You knew they were going to struggle in the red zone. And you knew they were going to give up even more points. Now it kind of is like, okay, what is this actually going to look like? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it, it, it's basically as new as it can get without hiring a new head coach, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, two new coordinators back to. I mean, no bowl band back to more scholarships. If it is, yeah, it's a. It's about as new as it gets. And I mean, hell, in some senses, there's just more new than even like getting a new coach, right? I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, well, new quarterback. I mean, you're gonna play a lot of new, you know, JUCO guys on on defense. So, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get much more new than than you know just depleting the whole roster. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, I'm trying to think if there are really any other kind of storylines that I'm interested in, in kind of, or at least have been on the radar for me. We'll be back at practice. Uh, well, we're, spoiler, we're recording this on a Sunday night. This, uh, we're back at practice on Monday. We get them Monday, Wednesday, Friday again. Um, I'll be interested to see. We don't see a whole lot of defensive stuff in practice. Really the only time we've been able to see any sort of defensive like depth chart type of stuff is they do a pursuit drill at the beginning of practice where they run three groups of defenders out pretty quickly so you can kind of see what they're thinking there. I'm hoping maybe we'll get to see some more of that in camp and not just offense going against air. Um, Is is pursuit drill like a conditioning drill? I don't know exactly what it is. They go out there, they line up, something happens, they all run to one spot. I think it's somewhat... that's conditioning. God, we used to do that in high school. It's awful. Yeah, so that's really the only time we've been able to really see like what the defensive side of the ball is sh- uh, shaping up like as far as the depth chart. But there aren't a ton of really just like position battles going on defensively. I really think they have most of their most all most if not all of their starters pretty much decided because it is a lot of upperclassmen. They're just trying to make like those guys on the second and third team. What do they look like? Because how many of them can you play is really what I'm interested in on on the defensive side more so than you know who's going to play strong or free safety or strong safety because I think you have pretty much I think you have pretty much I mean look, we can go through it right now um I got it pulled up in front of me the depth like the from the first depth chart they put out like on the defensive side of the football defensive end Cotney and he's probably starting Benito Jones starter Tisdale and Anderson I guess that's a bit of a thing there I think they I'd lean Tisdale like right I mean yeah yeah, I would too. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kadir Shepard and Chuck Wiley. Does it really matter which one of them starts? You're probably going Shepard. There. I mean, at least you know what you have there. Sonogo starting. Hibbler starting. You would presume Sam Williams starting. Jalen Jones, who they people have been pretty high on. Um, he looked. He's looked pretty good coming back from that injury. He, unlike Montreal Custis is not in a no-contact jersey. And that those injuries were at only four or five weeks apart. So Jones's recovery has gone pretty well and pretty quickly. Um, Cust is still working some stuff out. Anyway, John Haynes at strong safety. I guess with him being out, does Vernon Dasher make a move and end up being started at strong safety? Uh, Julius and Hartsfield are each going to start. So my point being is, like at, at the top, where are the question marks? No, I mean, that, that's completely fair. Um, but it, it, I'm just fascinated with this season. I mean, since I guess 2015, it, it feels like, you know, there, I mean, look, there's no NCAA cloud. It's the first time in three years that's happened. Um, if, if you're Matt Luke, you man, you've got to be, look, I know the offensive line is, is, is an issue, the defense you're worried about, but, I mean, you're just playing football from now on. And, and I feel like that's going to, at some point, I kind of feel like that matters, that there's, you know, no ominous cloud just hanging over you. There's no recruiting restrictions. I mean, you're just playing football like everybody else. And I, I kind of wonder if, if that's going to matter at some point this season. Wait, like, what do you mean? 
Like, I don't, I guess, all right, in 16, I felt like, you know, with, with the, the way the program was, you have the NCAA stuff hanging over your head, whether you're going to get a bowl ban or not going into before the year. I kind of felt like they laid down um, against Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. I, I think in 17, they kind of used it maybe as motivation. Um, and then last year, I, I don't know if it, you know, bothered them or They didn't or what. quit, but probably things wore on them because of the lack of success yeah. they're having, and they lose five in a row by the time you get to that fourth, fifth game. It's probably like, what are we, what are you I, I get what you mean. It's not like they quit. I mean, it's not like they quit, but when you lose three in a row and you have Vanderbilt and State up next and you know there's nothing after that no matter what, it's I mean, it's probably somewhere in the back of the mind it's a little frustrating. I get what you're saying. That will probably have some effect. I just One of the things I will always give Matt Luke credit for, particularly in 17 and 18, none of those kids ever quit on any. No, absolutely not. So And they, he should not. be commended for that because they, particularly in 17, they had every, uh, they had every reason to. So... Yeah. No, a lot of that in 17 was they wanted to get their boys a job. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 100% it too. That was a that was a big factor in that as well, but still, I mean, I mean that's the second year for most of those guys with no bowl game too. It's really the third year where things have just felt incredibly tumultuous cuz to say that 2016 season was calm. I mean, I remember asking them as I think we were talking about this on Friday's podcast. I remember we were still asking them questions in 2016 about the offseason and how they blocked out the noise like three days before they went and played Florida State down there. So, like, let's not pretend like the 2016 uh, season was all buttoned up either and quiet. There was a lot of off-the-field noise that wore on them then, too. So, for a lot of those guys, particularly the older upperclassmen, the seniors, that's three years in a row where, like, the things you're talking about are not really things that you had any part of and they're not really related to football. You could have convinced me at halftime of that Florida State game that Ole Miss was making the college football playoff that year. God, they looked like a well-oiled machine that night. Coming off like a Sugar Bowl win. 28-6 it, it was yeah. at one point. Yeah. And I think Florida State put up a touchdown right before halftime and made it 28-13. But you could have convinced me right then that that team was going to the playoff. Uh, yeah, they, they, I just remember watching the way that game started, and I was like, oh, holy shit, they are good. Um <laughs> Um, or I should say they are that good. I knew they were probably going to be good, although we were wrong about that too. They were they were not good. They were five and seven. Um, that's one of the things that's interesting to me, is how badly that defense was exposed over the course of the 2016 season to where you thought they were going to be. Yes, yes, you were concerned about linebacker. They brought in what's what was that kid's uh, Bing Dukes? No, and no, 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 no. Yeah, Rommel Mayeo, I think uh, was you know grad transfer. From Oregon State, like you were like, you know, seemed like a plug and play guy, so you felt like you had a patchwork job there. My point being is just by the end of the year, the perception of what you expected from that defense on a game to game basis was night and day different than what the start of the season was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, Vanderbilt and Kyle Shermer lit them up. I mean, Nick Fitzgerald ran all over them at Oxford that day. Um, and, but you held Florida State to six points in, you know, a quarter and a half. Um, so yeah, from from the time that season started to the time it ended was a uh, tail turn. Um, that's about all I had from an Ole Miss front today. What else went on in the sports world this weekend? Again, this and, is Antonio Brown doesn't like his helmet. Yeah. So how does that? How does that? How? How? I guess enlighten me on this. So I've been out of the pocket for like five straight weekends now. This is where it kind of goes for, like for me. Like now I'll be locked into everything, kind of getting back going again. I just. It's weird. I don't know. Weird, like timing. I guess we got like a week into camp, and then I had to like knock this last thing out. So anyway, 
I don't, I don't so, even know what I'm trying to so say. So you haven't seen like this at all about his helmet. I saw like he doesn't want to like the new helmet was rule like is is out of date and he doesn't want to play in the old one. And it's gotten to the point where he's basically been like, I'm not going to play football again if I can't have the old helmet. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, <laughs> they he, he thought Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were going to get to wear their old helmet, so he made a big fit. And then it came out in training camp that they were wearing the new helmets and. He basically just said, I'm not playing football if I can't wear my old helmet. Like, he literally went and got a old Pittsburgh Steelers helmet and painted it, like, uh, Raider black to try to, like, get away with it at training camp one day. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I don't think this guy actually wants to play football. Like, that that's kind of my thing. It's, yeah, it, it's its its very bizarre. And it's going to make – I haven't watched the first episode of Hard Knocks. I might try to actually do that tonight. But it's just it, – it's bizarre. I mean, he was – Look, he's a late-round guy that's perennially going to have a chip on his shoulder because he was not, like, a highly touted guy, and he turned into the best wide receiver in the NFL. But he's taken what used to make him really good, and that st- chip still makes him good. Because, to his credit, like, everything that everyone says about him for all his off-the-field issues, he works his ass off. Like, he's a tireless worker, and that's kind of how he got to where he became. But now it's turned in from that really, like, driving and motivating him to just him, like, I mean, he's almost going nuts. Like this is this is bizarre. Like the feet thing, um, with the with the. I, mean, I get that that happens with whatever. What it's not crypto. It's whatever they whatever therapy sure. they call that. I the, don't know the cold thing. Um, yes, I do have a uh, master's degree. Thank you. Um, the cold thing. Um, Wait, did you ever get that? No, that's coming in the mail. I'm getting it in August. I was a little late on the paperwork, so it's coming at the end of the month. Um, Your mom will be so proud. But my point being is, like, he's it's it's turned from that to just him almost going nuts. Like, that's a weird, very weird thing to do. So maybe he doesn't want to play football. Um, I don't know why you would pay that guy that kind of money, knowing he's like what he's he's like 29, 30, I think. Yeah. And you know everything that comes with it. Like, this is real baggage, and this has gotten very bizarre. Like the Raiders I read something over, fun to watch. I read something on the way on the way back from the beach day that said they don't they get they don't know where he is. Oh yeah, yeah, he's been in hiding. Well, there's something there that we're not all understanding. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe the dude's just nuts. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't. I, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this because I need to. I want to watch the first Hard Knocks. Um, I want to see if the second Hard Knocks has this whole drama in it. It might be the third. I don't know how far behind they are. I think they're like usually a week or two behind. Um, okay, I, I have to be honest. I've never watched Hard Knocks, like not one episode. Is it better than Last Chance You? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, you're going okay. to see what happens in an NFL training camp. It's really cool, and it's really, really – not that Last Chance You isn't well done – but Hard Knocks is really, really, really well put together. Um, All right, I might have to uh, bomb an HBO subscription. Yeah, I think I can help you with that. I actually need to check to see if I still have mine. My TV package, the last two houses I've lived in, have had HBO, so I've watched it on that. Now i got to figure that out. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's really good, and it's really well done. And it kind of, I don't know, like if you're a big football fan, it'll get you in the mood for it because they go by, I mean, they have cameras everywhere. Okay? Coaches' offices, meeting rooms, like everything. Like you, you, obviously you're not giving away schematic stuff, but like, like I just remember one of the first years I watched it on the very first episode, the like it opened up when it was the Rams and it was Jeff Fisher cutting Nick Foles. Like they had a very casual conversation. He was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna release you." And just like seeing how the sausage is made on like signings and releasings and how camp actually goes is really interesting. And to me, it doesn't really ever get old. Yeah, no, 
I've seen like some YouTube, you know, highlights of. Uh, I think of Fisher actually. I don't think it was Foles that he cut that I watched, but yeah, I think actually gonna have to start watching that. Now, how long has Hard Knocks been around? Like, um, it's been a while, man. Like I think I think it's seven or eight seasons at this point. It might be longer than that. I might be shortchanging it. I mean, it's it's almost it's approaching a decade if it's not there. This might be something I have to binge, like you know, over three or four seasons if I can find them all on and 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 get and you know. Waste that time getting ready for football. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely worth your time, though. It's a well-put-together show. Um, I enjoy it a lot. It gets me in the mood for football, and I like the NFL, so obviously that, you know, two and two together there. Um, Anything else wild happen? I, I, nothing weird in baseball, nothing too terribly weird other than the Antonio Brown thing in the NFL. Yeah, no, I mean, baseball is in the doldrums, man. It's going to get lit here in a little bit. The uh, AL wild card and the NL wild card is, Look, the divisions kind of are what they are. Uh, beside, I guess, the NL Central and the AL Central, but these wild cards are going to be fun. Uh, yeah, they are, and it's in the National League. It's because of the mediocrity in the American League. It's because there's some really strong division leaders, like it's Oakland, almost, Oakland, Tampa, and Cleveland slash Minnesota. Whichever one you want to throw in the wild card, there are all really good baseball teams, and one of them is not making the postseason. And I'm gonna, man, if the Mets get into the wild card, they're going to win that wild card game because DeGrom's going to pitch it. Man, they could give the Dodgers all sorts of problems in a five-game series. Um, Yeah, they really could. And what a year that's been for the Mets and Mickey Calloway. I mean, what a bizarre year to where there was that period. And I can't remember if it was that May or June where, like, people were saying, like, he's literally going to get fired any day now. And then you had the weird thing where he and – uh what was it Jason Vargas tried to fight the reporter and like yeah yeah and Brian Van Wagner throws a chair <laughs> uh, yeah and then told him to go do his effing press conference like he was like speaking to his son it's like that's the manager yeah, that's, of the Mets if you're Callaway right there you got to fight him right well, that's how you know he's a puppet though I mean you've got I mean some I mean like he, he to me in a lot of ways he's a puppet for an incompetent organization because then you have the reports of uh, what's it, the GM making pitching changes, stuff like that. What a weird year, man. If they make the playoffs good on him, I bet he's had gray hair though this year. <laughs> I'm kind of rooting for them. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't mind them. I mean either. I like Strowman, I like DeGrom. That's kind of a fun team. Um yeah, no, it is a, a it is a fun team and they the, the fact is I don't think they were as bad as they were early on. No, they weren't. DeGrom did pitch well at the beginning, so that didn't help. Um yeah, that's also very true. Uh, yeah, so baseball race is heating up. There'll be some fun ones to watch, a couple of divisions kind of duds. But other than that, it'll be a really intriguing from wild card and at least the NL Central um, from a divisional race. Um, that's about all I had. I don't think I had – I had a couple travel – had a couple. No, go ahead. I don't think I had any complaints per se. Um, I did. I was standing at a gas station down there, and I noticed the guy in front of me was just like – souping up this gas station hot dog he was going to buy and then I think that was going to be his lunch. I didn't know anybody ate those. Like what is gas station hot dog guy? Like, <laughs> like those things sit there and you're like those things could have been there for weeks. Like what's going on in gas station hot dog guy's life? Because like I, I'm not shaming anyone for eating cheap food. I, I eat or I'm getting better about it. I For years I ate a horrible amount of like my diet was awful in terms of fast food. I'm not shaming for anyone for eating cheap, cheap food but like Fast food you can now get for three, four dollars if you go value menu. What is the value in a gas station hot dog? Like, what's that guy up to? And what's in his what's in his fridge at home? If this is what he's going for on the go, what kind of stuff? What's going on in that guy's fridge at his house? 
so we have to differentiate, right? Like, if this is gas station chicken, you're not worried, right? No, but so the, uh, Mississippi gas station food, almost notwithstanding, like the chicken on a stick, I get that. I, I get why people drink that. I, I excuse me, drink that, eat that. <laughs> I get why people eat that. I get why it's better at certain times of the night. Um, and I get why it's popular. And I get why it's staple. But just the generic, like, brat that's been sitting there on the rotating thing for probably, you're just assuming, weeks as you're walking up to the counter. Why are you? <laughs> who's eating that and why? I mean, that's a fair question. That's what, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, it didn't, it didn't, most of, the, most of my travel complaints are really just stuff that, like, pisses me off. This didn't bother me. I was really just more intrigued. Like, I wanted to, like, stop the guy and be like, hey, man, what's going on with you? Like, what, how, you okay? tell me about this. And, like, are you a connoisseur? Like, does, <laughs> does the Exxon have a better one than the Shell? Like, how does that work? Do you have, a, like, a blog where you review gas station hot dogs? Yeah, just stuff like that gas station hot dogs and whatever kind of weird stuff gas stations have, like, kind of sitting over, not in the corner, but, like, most people are like, I'm not eating that. Like, what, what, what's going on with that? Who, who fits the profile of the guy that's Ooh. eating that? Like, are you just gas, hungry? Gas station hot dog or gas station pizza? Which one are you eating if you have to pick one? Oh, pizza for sure. Pizza, okay. I'm not, and I, and I like hot dogs, but gas station hot dog, that's that's that's. I'll, I'll wig out a little bit. I'll eat it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if, if like if someone was like, <laughs> hey, here's twenty bucks to eat a gas station hot dog, like you get to keep twenty bucks, I'd probably do it. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm not ever eating that by choice. I didn't know people actually did that. I almost just thought that was like the cigarette signage, like when you walk in the gas station, it's there for decoration. <laughs> you thought they just put the hot dogs there and let them spin, and nobody ever bought them? Yeah, because nobody's looking at the cigarette prices, right? Like, if you want to go smoke a pack of cigarettes, you're going to buy it unless they're like forty bucks. Like, you're not going in there. Oh, these things are six fifty nine, and the place across the street is five fifty eight. Like, you're not. No one actually pays attention to that. I have a, I have a weird opinion. Like, all right, so. Gas stations kind of like people that talk about gas prices at a gas station weird me out because they'll they'll mention like, oh, gas is eight cents cheaper here, and I'm like that's saving you a buck fifty. And I don't, I, I had this conversation with somebody this weekend. I don't understand like the thrill of getting gas for eight cents cheaper somewhere else. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess it adds up, and then, like, you got the Kroger thing going on, right, where if you have the Kroger card, gas is cheaper. I think that really adds up. But if you're just comparing the Exxon to the Shell as to which one It's like eight at, cents. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah. Like, I, I, get, I, I get trying to get the da- guess, discount at, like, what, does Sam's Club have gas, I think? Yeah, yeah, um, But, yeah. Um, trying to think if I had any other... Uh, anything interesting... Hey. Like, anything... Like, just... Like whenever I go on like trips like that, just like I've, I've realized, we had a we had a guy on a radio show the other day that just we were talking. Like I think I was doing a travel complaints uh, segment on our show the other day about something that like pissed me off uh, driving down the road the other day, and some guy chimed in and just said, "The general public is insufferable." <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, honestly, dude, I can relate that to on a lot of levels. And he was like, we should start a podcast about the general public and the things that bother us. And I was like, probably not, dude, but I'll, 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 I'll give this idea, Legs. Hit me up. Um, but my point being in saying that, when I go on these trips, like I'm just reminded of how, it, how to, to steal his quote, and I hate I'm not attributing this properly. I don't remember the guy's name. The general public can be very insufferable, and I feel like I'm reminded of that when I go out in public. Um, you say you don't go out in public that often? I mean, I'm just not a big, like, crowds guy anymore. Like, <laughs> I'll go out oh, with man. my friends and stuff, but I'm not a big, like, you know. I'm, you're, you're not getting caught dead, like, on a Friday night at the bar during a like, before a home football game. I, I just don't, that, that, that doesn't do anything for me. No, anymore. absolutely not. When I was 21, sure, yeah, let's go. 
you know, I like seeing people and I like seeing my friends, but like it's just it's just too much. Um, we got to get back to our conspiracy theories, man. They're gonna they're gonna quit listening to us. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> we might have to save that for Wednesday, though. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to save that one for Wednesday at this point. Yeah. So Michael Jordan on Wednesday. We've been lying to you for like a week and a half now about this conspiracy <laughs> theory segment. We'll get into the Michael Jordan thing on Wednesday. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. So. So you've got media availability tomorrow or Monday? Yeah, we do. Um, we have it uh, Monday uh, morning, and then I'll have stuff on the site. Um, Super Talk Mississippi, you can check out all of our practice reports, all our feature stories. It's free. Um, we've got some different stuff coming up this year that I'm pretty excited about. Um, so be looking for that. It's all free. You don't have to pay uh, anything, um, which is kind of different nowadays now that everyone's joining The Athletic. And uh, I'm not anti-paywall guy. Like, I'm very much a fan of The Athletic, the work they do. I think it's important. I think it's important for this industry in general. Um, And I think you should – I mean, I'm a subscriber. You pay for quality work. Like, people asking to be paid for the work that they do is not ridiculous. Nothing nothing pisses me off. Yeah, nothing pisses me off more than when I see one of these athletic guys, like, tweet out, like, some story they did. And – Somebody under it. Like, Wish I could read it, but it's behind a paywall. Like it's like four ninety nine a month, I think, or like eight bucks to join the athletic. They do tremendous work. They have really good writers, and it's quality stuff. If you don't want to pay for that, fine, but don't be uh, sorry. It's behind a paywall, guy. I just won't ever pay for content. Okay, fine. Then go read BuzzFeed for all I care, or go <laughs> read Saturday Down South, aggregating everything else these guys do. I don't care. Like you know. Eat the garbage instead of the quality food. I don't care, but don't don't adamantly be like I'm not paying for it. So sorry. Like no one yeah, cares, guy. Plenty of people what, will. What other what other profession are you not paying to consume their product? Yeah, it's, it's like like one of these guys. Like if like if you're an accountant, it's like I'm not paying you to audit for me. Like how does that work? <laughs> anyway, we got on a rant. We need to end this podcast. I think we've gone over an hour and we've talked about successfully nothing for a while. Um. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, we're getting very into very much into rant season. Um, so, anyway, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. We'll have coverage as fall camp turns on. Um, be sure to look at it at supertalk.fm. We'll be back on Wednesday with, I promise, a conspiracy theory, um, some football talk, some other stuff. Might have a couple guest ideas I'm throwing around. Um, but unless you got anything else, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Um, sounds good. Well, the People's Podcast will be back on Wednesday. We appreciate you joining. Like and subscribe. Um, this growing, I'm excited about it. We've got football season coming up. The dead of summer is slowly coming to an end. We have made it through it, but thank you for listening. Like and subscribe, and we'll be back Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.